0: Well, uh, without further ado, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, Matthew 2. We're continuing our series looking at the uh, gifts of Christmas, treasured gifts uh, that Jesus received. Uh, I blame the Magi for all this gift-buying stuff. I used to work in retail, and I'm convinced we are to blame the Magi. And working in retail, I did not like the Magi. Um, and uh, so, so I thought, why don't we look at the gifts that Christ received that first Christmas? So Matthew chapter two, we're just gonna read one verse because we looked at this passage last week in some detail. So page 850 of your Pew Bibles, if you'll stand with me out of reverence for God's word, we'll read verse 11. And going into the house, Matthew the evangelist writes on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, they fell down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, as always, we ask for the same thing every time we gather, whether it is a holiday like today or any other Sunday, because every time we open your word, we want the same thing, for your Spirit to move, to open our hearts, and to change our lives and that in that process, we encounter the risen Savior, the gospel of Jesus, and we are indwelt by the Spirit. Lord, open our hearts and our minds, our eyes, our ears, our mouth, our hands, and our feet, that we will go in obedience to Christ, transformed by your word, through your Spirit, to your Son. May I decrease so that you can increase. In the name of your Son, we pray. Amen. Be seated. I, uh, I feel like it's necessary to make a public service announcement, particularly to the men here, husbands, boyfriends, all that sort of stuff. Um, someone needs to tell you this. Uh, today is Christmas Eve. What? Uh, yeah, I know. I, know. <laughs> I knew there was something I was supposed to do today. Uh, that means today is the last day to, to get your wife uh, a gift. Now, you know the, the joke, we, we joke about this every year, that if you were to compare the list of names the wife has to get gifts for and the list of names the husband has to give, the wife has dozens upon dozens upon dozens and then complains of all the people she forgot, uh, the, wife, the husband has one, it's his wife. I worked in retail, as I said, and I remembered that the ratio of male-female on Black Friday was the opposite on Christmas Eve. And I would have worked both. It was predominantly uh, uh, female-oriented on Black Friday. It was predominantly male-oriented on, on Christmas Eve. All of those stereotypes and rumors you heard are true. So let me just give you men some advice here today. How to get the perfect gift for your wife. There is a secret to this. And, and ladies, just close your ears for, for a minute, okay? Here, here's, here's how you do it. You got to get her to pick out her gift without her knowing that's exactly what she's doing. That's the secrets. That is the secret. You young men, write this down. I am giving you gold, frankincense, and myrrh, okay? I am giving you good stuff here. Let me share with you, I learned this at a a young age. My wife and I, we were still dating. This is back when she was still in love, and and I didn't really know what, what to get her. And so I came up with this brilliant idea. I just have her pick it out. But you can't go, I got 20 bucks, pick something out you like. They don't like that. That would work for men, doesn't work for the ladies. So what we did is we we went to the Florence Mall, y'all, and we walked into the uh, Bath and Body, because I knew she liked smelly stuff. Like, it's all the same category. They put it in a different uh, bottle and charge you twice the price, um, and, and it claims it does something different. All it does is make you smell. And so we, we go in there, and I didn't know what flavor she liked. And so I had to get her to pick her flavor so that I don't pick the wrong flavor because then it's not a good gift, right? I'm going to take this back and all this sort of stuff. So I walk in. I say, look, I'm going to get Amanda a gift. Now, it's convenient to me that my sister and my then girlfriend, now wife, shared the same first name. So at no point did I lie to her. I deceived her, yes, but I did not lie to her. I said, I am here to get Amanda a Christmas gift. Oh, well, that's awfully nice. What a great man I'm wanting to marry and I'm in love with. He, he's, wanting, he's wanting me to help him get his sister a gift. Now, I never said... I'm here to get my sister a gift. Who cares about her? I'm here to get you one. But what I said was, I'm here to get Amanda a gift. And I said, what would be really nice is if you picked out your favorite flavor, get whatever it is that you would like, and I think that would be best. And of course, she goes, well, I don't know what your sister likes. Why would, I, why would you get her what, what I want? Give it to her. And of course, I made something up like, because I never said I'm shopping for my sister. And so I said something like, well, I wouldn't be too worried about my sister. Just just pick out what you would like to get, if I were to pick it out for you. And she did. We went there, got got the flavored stuff, all that sort of stuff. I don't know what any of it does. And we we buy it. And then the best part is we went home, and I had her wrap her own gift. She, she, uh, see, that's the secret. See, you guys are like, why did I think of this? You know, it's on the internet somewhere, I'm sure. And and, and, so, uh, the, and then I grabbed the tag because men, we don't do tags. We find a marker and write to you from me. And so she wrote to Amanda from Kyle. And it was sitting right there. Come Christmas morning, she, she, she opened the gift. She goes, this gift looks familiar. <laughs> yeah, it does. You were there when I wrapped it. Well, not when I wrapped it. You we were there when you wrapped it. Well, smelly stuff makes sense when you're wanting to get your girl a gift. Perfume, lotions, and the other stuff. I don't know what other categories there are. Again, they're all the same anyways. um, That makes sense for your significant other. Doesn't make a lot of sense to get a baby something like that, does it? I mean, what is frankincense? It is incense. What's a baby going to do with incense? Incense. Maybe you can say gold can make sense, and you can bury it in your backyard, and when the economy crashes, at least you've, you've, you've got some money there. Okay, you know, it's a college savings for, for when he after high school. Okay, maybe. A bit weird, but okay. Uh, maybe you're into that sort of thing. But frankincense? Smelly stuff for a baby? Maybe there's something going on here more than a practical gift. What is going on here is a symbol for who Christ is. If in gold we saw Christ as King, we see in frankincense Christ as our priest. Three uses of frankincense in the Bible and ancient Near Eastern uh, world for, for our purposes here this morning. The first is it was an item. Of prosperity, really here of luxury. You and I take for granted uh, what free trade and modern technology uh, has done for us. Think about it. Uh, uh, most of what it is that we have on us or what we possess, where we are sitting, everything is it was all manufactured outside of these United States. I don't understand how all that works, but that free trade has allowed us to, uh, to, 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 to keep things at a reasonable price Uh, uh, figuratively speaking, but also it has allowed the rest of the world to come out of poverty. The poverty rate globally is at its lowest rate in human history. Much of it because of things like free trade. Trade in general is a good thing for economies. And trade's been going on from the very begin of an economy. And what it allows is for nations to have in their economy things they may not be able to grow or to raise or to to have themselves. Uh, we, We we get this in the ancient world. For example, iron. You remember the story of Elisha where uh, the, the guy is swinging an axe and, it, and it, the, the head of the axe falls into uh, the ri- river and, and he freaks out? The word for axe there is iron. His iron fell into the river. That's significant because iron was not native to Israel. It was imported, which means it was really expensive. In fact, the Bible tells us the Philistines had almost a monopoly on iron. So, so to possess iron is one thing. This guy's iron axe was borrowed. And so he was really panicking because he knew he'd never be able to pay that off. We could do something like that with frankincense. It fits this category of something that was not native to Palestine or Canaan, and thus it had to be traded from other nations. Let me just throw up uh, two verses here just to sort of prove the point. The Bible is very clear that where frankincense comes from is outside of Israel. Thus, it had to be uh, uh, imported from Amazon Prime. It took more than two days back then uh, but for it to come. This made frankincense an expensive item. You had to to put it on special order. It had to come from another nation to your front door. This is why frankincense, among other perfumes and other items, it plays a fairly prominent role in Solomon's love song. Let me give you just one verse here, Song of Solomon, chapter 3. I could give you a few others. Um, uh, It says, what is that coming up from the wilderness? Perfumed with myrrh and frankincense. So here here what you have is, is 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 a husband and wife in love and 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 they're they're using they're wearing perfume and aftershave right to, to 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 enhance the 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 emotions and feelings they have for one another and frankincense is one of those and so what you have here is a is a luxurious item fit for lovers that here is 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 we, we wear this to impress our partner We see something similar in the last book of the Bible when John the Apostle in Revelation is describing the fall of Babylon. Uh, Whether that is Rome or a future nation, I'll let uh, uh, you debate that. And in chapter 18, uh, John shows the the economic collapse of Babylon. And um, and so uh, he lays out all the expensive items they trade with the nations. Among them is frankincense, and myrrh. So like gold, frankincense, we could add to that, we'll see, wheel the next week, myrrh was an expensive <clears throat> gift. This is not something generic. You and I do all the time when we don't know what to get people. We get them a gift card to Starbucks, McDonald's, or Target, something like that. Right? We, we do, if you don't know what to get someone, gift cards will do. This is a little uh, more expensive than something from the cheap bin at Goodwill or Target. Now, this is something uh, significantly more luxurious. So what we have here is a wealthy ruling class of leaders traveling across borders to bring a gift to a toddler of expensive Incense. You see, in the ancient world, frankincense was used for a number of of, of reasons. That would include perfumes, as we saw in Song of Solomon. It was used for cosmetics. It was also used for uh, medicinal purposes. Uh, We have some uh, 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 Roman writings, actually, that that frankincense would be used for uh, cleaning wounds, stopping bleeding, and curing hemlock poison. It had a lot of purposes, but again, I don't think that's why the magi are bringing this incense. It symbolizes something more. So yes, it represents prosperity and and luxury, but more importantly, it represents the priesthood, the priesthood. Without a doubt, the primary use of frankincense in the Bible is in this category. It is almost always associated with the priesthood and the temple. The priest would store frankincense in a special chamber right in the front of either the tabernacle of the temple in Israel's history. It was was an important product used for the proper worship and maintenance of the temple. Can I give you two things it symbolized in the temple and that the priest would use it for? The first, it was a symbol of holiness. According to Exodus 30, Frankincense was one of several spices the priest would mix to create a sacred perfume. And, and you, you can read it particularly verses 34 to 38 if you want the whole list and how all of that works. The mixture of spices and all the other stuff would, would uh, 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 weigh about 40 pounds. My lands, that is, that is, that is a lot. Uh, so 40 pounds, and it would include ingredients that had to be traded for. Uh, they would be found in Arabia, India, and Lebanon. And they would distill it with olive oil and use it as the base for this sacred mixture. So remember, everything in the Uh, temple had to be holy and and the way you made it holy is you went through a series of rituals. It had to be clean and spotless and, and everything had to be marked and all that sort of stuff. The last act of declaring something holy was to take this mixture which included frankincense and other spices is you would go around and you would sprinkle it on the furniture, the utensils, the altar, the curtains, the walls, everything. You would just sprinkle it all over the place so that when you entered into the house of worship, you were hit not just with the sight of everything that was beautiful, but the smell connected you with the presence of God, who is holy. So everything had to be made holy in order for you to enter into holy space. And the way you knew it was holy was through this mixture of perfume. And frankincense was among the most prominent of of, of the mixtures. So this applied... Uh, not just to the temple and the tabernacle, this applied specifically to the priest. After all, they are the ones who declare everything to be holy after they go through the whole process. So we get this in Exodus chapter 30. Here, the last line. It shall be for you holy to the Lord. You, uh, or you, shall not, uh, you are made holy, and so they themselves would be sprinkled with this mixture. Clearly, frankincense is associated with holiness and the work of the priesthood. Not only holiness, but is associated with devotion. Now, to explain this, we, we, we've got to get a little deep into Old Testament law here, but in in, in, in in as simple as I can put it, there are five major offerings a Jew could make at the temple. We we'll won't go into these in all detail, just, just to share them with you. Uh, there is the burnt offering, which was an act of atonement. You would come, bring an animal to cover your sins. There was the peace offering, where people would bring and consecrate themselves to, to be drawn together in fellowship of peace and whatnot. There was the sin offering, It was not to atone for one's sins, but to purify oneself to enter into his presence. The guilt guilt offering was to make reparations for one's sins. Finally, there was the grain offering. The purpose of the grain offering was it was a voluntary expression of devotion to God, recognizing his goodness and providence. Of those five offerings, and they're on the test at the end, frankincense is associated with the last one, the grain offering. And so when one would make a grain offering, oil and frankincense would be poured on it, and it would be offered to the Lord, and it would be offered to the priest. If you're wanting uh, a one biblical example of this, Leviticus 2 would be a good place to turn to. So the motivation behind such an offering was to express one's devotion to God who is both holy and good. And this isn't to address one's sins. It was to express one's gratitude to the God who has forgiven you of your sins. This is why the grain offering often followed the bird offering. So you would come into God's presence and and, and, and a sacrificial offering was made on your your behalf. And as a result of that atonement, you have received the forgiveness and cleansing work of God. As an act of gratitude for God's goodness and his holiness and his providence, you would often bring with you a grain offering to say, having been forgiven, I have reason to be not just devoted, but grateful to my Savior. And a key ingredient of that act was frankincense. So when the aroma of the sacred mixture hit your nostrils, you would connect it with God's holy presence. And... In his presence, you would rededicate yourself in thanksgiving to your Savior. So significant is this idea in the Old Testament that even when Israel offered grain offerings to idols, that is blasphemy, God still described it as my. Incense. If you want to reference here, Ezekiel chapter 16 it says, And you took the embroidered garments to cover them, set my oil and frankincense, set my incense, my incense before them. Notice God is saying, this is my stuff. Now you gave it to someone else, an act of spiritual adultery, idolatry, but it is my incense, my garments, my oil, and is associated with proper worship And devotion. All of this shows that frankincense was predominantly associated with holy worship of God. It was a key tool of the priest used to organize and orchestrate said worship. And here we have a baby minding his own business when people outside of the Roman Empire come knocking on the door. Goad, maybe we can make sense of that. But frankincense, we can't understand it apart from the priesthood. And offering frankincense, they're saying, we would give this as we would to a priest. Can I give you one more use of frankincense in the Bible? We see it as a symbol of prosperity. We see it in connected to the priest. The third is its connection to prophecy. We've already seen a little bit of this in our reference to Revelation, but this plays an important role in prophecy, not just to what has come, but what has already come. The gifts of the Magi do carry with them this symbolic meaning. As we said, the gold uh, with Jesus' uh, royalty and uh, frankincense with Jesus as priest. And if time allowed us, we could do a full study of royal priesthood. You go all the way back to... Melchizedek and Jethro and David. We've done that in the past, but time won't allow us to do that. But more than symbolism, what we see is these gifts fulfill prophecy made by the Old Testament prophets. Let me give you an example. One is uh, when we looked at the story of Solomon earlier this year, on Sunday evenings, we looked at his Psalms. There are two Psalms that Solomon is credited with either writing or somehow connected with his reign. And you can go back to see how we explore those. One of those psalms is Psalm 72, and in Psalm 72, Solomon is looking forward, and he's saying that 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 what are we really looking for in terms of a kingdom? And he seems to be making messianic uh, 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 predictions about what is to come. So, notice the language in Psalm 72, verses eight to eleven. It says. May, uh, may he, that is this future king that the great Solomon is saying that our real hope isn't in David and Solomon, it's in the true and better David that is yet to come. May he have dominion from sea to sea, that is from the Euphrates River, uh, to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish, that is as far west as you can go in, in the known world, sort of the way they thought of things, think of Jonah Um, So uh, the Tarshish and the coastlands, that's as far east as as you're going to go, particularly as a Jew. Render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. Now, hang on to, to that. When you see Sheba... From Solomon, you're going to think of the Queen of Sheba. Solomon has that in mind. He's going back to his own experience. Queen of Sheba comes. She comes bearing gifts, including frankincense, by the way. She comes bearing gifts and gold. And and so he's picking up on that. But he's not saying they did come. They will come. So that connection to the Sheba is significant. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. So what it is that we have here are the nations coming to the Messiah who will rule as king, and they come bearing gifts. Okay, but what does that have to do with the price of bread in China? What does that have to do with the Magi? It is here where we should turn to Isaiah. Isaiah is gonna give us a few more details in this regard. See if any of this sounds familiar to you. Isaiah chapter 60, verse six, a multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, All those from Sheba shall come. Now, pause there. You see the connection to Solomon? When you see Sheba in the Old Testament, you immediately think of Solomon and Queen of Sheba. And and Solomon has already, in Psalm 72, he's not just looking back at what the queen did. He's looking forward to what the king's will do for Messiah. Isaiah's picking up on that imagery. So those from Sheba will come. What are they going to bring? Goad and frankincense. But there's a third thing they're going to bring. Good news. Is any this making sense yet? It's almost as if the gospel writers, when working on their stories, they said, I've I've heard this story before. Goat and frankincense from the nations to bow down before the royal priests. Angels singing on high. Good news of great joy will be for all the people. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. So when the Magi come, they're not looking to give a practical gift of smelly stuff. Rather, they're coming and saying the prophets have, their, their, their message has been fulfilled in Christ, who is our royal priest. You see, while Luke prioritized lowly shepherds being the first to meet the Christ child, Matthew, who is the one who references the Old Testament more than any of the gospel writers, he prioritizes the arrival of the Gentile nations into Israel to bearing gifts and to worship the royal priest. Here we see that Jesus is not just the king of Israel. He's is the ruler of the nations. He is not just the high priest of Israel. He is the redeemer of the nations. And so through both the gifts of gold and frankincense, Matthew makes that abundantly clear. So then Christmas is not just a holiday for Christians. It is an announcement unto the entire world. Your king has come. Will you bow down to him? Your priest has come. And he alone is what makes us holy. And he makes us holy, we'll see, we'll we'll really next week's spoiler alert, by himself, being the sacrifice. He makes us holy, not just by declaration, but by sacrifice. So let the nations fall before their king. Let the nations fall before their savior. Last week, we we sang one of the classic Christmas carols, and I am guilty of this, that when I listen to a song, I pay no attention to the lyrics. I'm really bad about that. I have to listen to it about 800 times and I've got half of it memorized by osmosis before I start to really pay attention to it. Uh, hence my affection for all things Britney Spears, I guess. But um, I'm guilty of this even with the Christmas curls. I can sing them and, and have them memorized. But, but some, every year there seems to be one or two songs that really just jump off the page to you. And last week we sang this and I thought, that's, that's the message that Matthew wants us to have with the Magi, at least with frankincense. So come O oh come Emmanuel O oh come our great high priest and intercede Your sacrifice our only plea The judgment we no longer fear Your precious blood has brought us near Rejoice rejoice Emmanuel has banished every fear of hell That's what the magi are doing We come for Christmas to acknowledge that we have a royal priest who has come to conquer. He has come to redeem and declares all who come to him holy and righteous unto the Lord. But we must come. We must come like the Magi did. And let us not let anything stop us in the process. And maybe you're here and what's holding you back is you still haven't come. You've gone through the motions of religion, but you've never come. I ask that you come. Maybe you're here and and it's Christmas and so you show up because that's what you do uh, in in this culture. I want to ask that you come. You come to Christ, who is your king, who is your priest, and find the salvation for your soul. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. My Father, I ask that you would be so kind as to...